love you. Hey ho and welcome back, Couch Potatoes. So happy to have you back here with us. Taters, taters, taters. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. Thank you so much for listening. I mean that so much. Indeed. This is a podcast about movies and TV. We're we're bringing back some good old spooky movies because, yeah, we just got a, a third of a trilogy here. Yeah, we got a new release. You know, if there's a if there's one universe out there, you know, every, every production company right now wants it wants its own cinematic universe. And if there is one universe that can marvel or rival Marvels, <laughs> it would be the Conjuring universe, which is what we're talking about today, because they had their uh, their third film came out a couple of weeks ago for us. Well, I it's not their third film; it's the third film in the the chronology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the third Conjuring film. Yeah, but it's the eighth film in the Conjuring universe, and you know I, I started watching these just a little before the third one came out, so I had enough time to watch all eight films just to to refresh myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's let's I guess let's talk first before we dive into the movies. Let's talk first about our experience with the Conjuring. Sure, I believe we've seen three of the films together. We've seen yes. The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, and Annabelle. And I think we saw all three of those in the theaters, too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, Conjuring might have been uh, a rental. I don't know. Actually, now that I'm thinking about that, I might have seen that one with some high school friends, I think. Well, it, it came out the 2013, so we were in undergrad. So, we probably did see it together. Yeah, I'm not sure anymore. We, we saw it around the same time. I know specifically that we watched Annabelle together. Yeah. <laughs> because we laughed our asses off throughout the entire movie. Like, oh, so man. if I love horror movies, I don't want to laugh at them. You know, I, I, there are so many bad horror movies out there. There's so many movies that just bore me because they rely so much on like jump scares or like really stupid right. sound effects and everything. And, and Annabelle is like one of those where it, it just tried so hard to make you jump. And cared so little about setting anything up. Maybe if I would rewatch it, I would have a different feeling about it. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, what, from what I've seen, I'm I'm fairly sure that what what I felt that first time was how everybody else felt because it doesn't really have many good reviews. Well, it's hard to get good reviews when you make it just a mediocre movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember that 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 final the final big act in that movie. It's supposed to be so traumatic and everything. And you and I were both like just burst out laughing when it happened. And like I remember somebody in the audience just being like, "Fucking shut up!" Like, <laughs> but it's like I'm sorry, we couldn't. It was so bad. It was. Uh, I think and, I'm pretty sure Sarah was with us, and she might have been one of the people who were upset about it. I can't remember if she was laughing with us or not. Well, see, like I never, I never want to be that person in the theater, but that right. that movie evoked that response. It was <laughs> it that did. horrible. It did. It's just like they tried you know, so hard. That we've seen that storyline work already, like right. with, with Child's Play and all the other Chucky's movies. And well, that's even supposed to be like the 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 terror behind it is that this one's not the doll. It's a it's a demon right. behind the doll. It's supposed right. to be even more frightening. But they that that first Annabelle movie, Chucky wasn't just the doll. He was a guy. He was a serial killer. Yeah, in the he was doll. a serial killer trapped in a doll. Like it was still a doll that was the horror. You know, it's like you still saw a little doll running up to you. Like in real life. Yes, I would be terrified. Yeah, but I'm also grabbing a baseball bat and swinging. Like I'm not that scared of it. It's like one foot tall, and it, right? it runs yeah. very slowly. <laughs> right. So you're saying that because the present, the the thing inhabiting the doll is more omnipresent than that. Yeah, uh, it has more control. It's supposed to be yeah. more terrifying. And it, I, if I remember correctly, that first movie is more like Chucky, where it's like. I, I can't remember specifically, but I remember somebody murdering somebody and then that ghost inhabiting the doll. You know, oh, yeah. the, I don't remember that tale. I don't remember it all. Yeah. That last, that last scene you had to say it was supposed to be super traumatic. I, re- 
I mean, I'm uh, not, it, it, I don't think I'm going to give anything away that I think it re- involves a window. That's all I it, remember. Exactly. It involves yeah. a window and something very similar to the ending of The, ex- uh, the Exorcist. The Exorcism. Okay. <laughs> the Exorcism. Okay. Those yeah, are different. Or movies. The Exorcist. Wait. Are the they? Exorcist. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Okay. Yeah. The the great one. Like okay. the the, one. <laughs> the awesome <All> one. Right. <laughs> ah, fuck. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, they're all mixing together in my dyslexic brain. But hey, we've all been there. But yeah. It's it's weird that something like Annabelle came from The Conjuring, and it's yeah. also weird that they made they they went deep in on three Annabelle films before they went in on three Conjuring films. Yeah. Because uh, I'll I'll say up front as we talk the the two. The first two Conjuring films, which are obviously older than the new release third one, mm-hmm. uh, I love those first two films. I think they are great. And the first two Annabelle films, the second one was decent. It it was tried. It, it, it wasn't good. It, it was good. decent. No, nah, it, it, I, I like the director. He he tried. I can't remember his name. It's like Dennis Sandberg or something like that. Uh, I'm not going to edit that out. I want to leave that in. It's completely wrong. It's like David Sandberg or something like that. But Dan Sandberg, I'm really like focused on the Sandberg part. I'm sure that's right. That part's right. Okay. It's It's uh, Dr. Sandberg, director of Dolls and Scarum. Which one was that? That's not Annabelle Comes Home, but that's uh, Annabelle Creation or something like that. Annabelle Origin. It's okay. It's, it's, it's much better than Annabelle. It has some good scares, I remember, because I saw that one alone in the theaters, and I didn't laugh at it. So, you know, that's a that's a plus. That's a step up. And then Annabelle Comes Home, you know, I didn't even give that a shot when it was out in theaters. I just watched that this week before we started reviewing these because I wanted to watch more of the Conjuring films. And Annabelle Comes Home was actually kind of fun. It was competent. It was funny. It, it focused on children. Uh, well, not really children. Two teenagers and one younger child, like older child, I would say, like probably under 10 or 11. The the daughter of the Warrens. She was the, oh, okay. the child. So, it, it was actually kind of funny. Like, it, it was, I mean, it was still scary. It, it wasn't like a comedy horror or anything, but it had some good relievers. You know, there's some good, good comedy relief moments. And... It, yeah, that one was a competent horror. I was actually surprised. I was like, wow, it took them three shots, but they finally got an Annabelle film. But I would not have greenlit that one before greenlighting a third Conjuring movie. No, no. I don't think so. Because these are great. Yeah, these are good. Um, you know, and you know, I like them to, to varying degrees, but they definitely are pretty good horror movies. But it's they're almost like if you took a horror movie and then wrote it as if it was an episode of Law and Order because of like the the text slides and stuff like that and like I could almost in the back of my head hear the bun dun or oh, well or that's whatever. just the, yeah that's just classic like that's shouting out to the 60s 70s horror tropes that's right. how a lot of those those old intros were yeah. like the the opening crawl to the conjuring and the conjuring 2 I fucking love it like oh, that yeah. that it sets me so in the mood for these types of films. Like they, they immediately hook me and I'm just like, Oh, I'm, I'm settling down to have a good time right now. Let's just talk the, let's just dive right on in, I guess to the conjuring. Right. The first one directed by James Wan. And I like that you, you mentioned they're like a, a law and order style episode because people have criticized James Wan. And I wholeheartedly agree with this criticism, but I don't think it's a criticism, but they've said that he, he gives he is the fast food of horror. Huh. That, I think that's I think that's how somebody put it. Like he he puts out a horror movie that is just it's efficient. It's it it does huh. it does the job. It, it you know, it's sloppy, it's it's there, it's good, you're okay with it. It's not it's not pristine horror. You know, it's sure. not you know, it's not the lighthouse or you know, it's not a masterpiece of horror. And it's definitely nowhere near bad. It does the job and feeds you well. It's fast food. And I wholeheartedly agree, and I think that's a okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have nothing wrong with this movie. Uh, I the feel first like one's definitely not. Yeah, definitely not on this movie. Um, I I would say like like sure, it's maybe not a masterpiece, but man, I feel like 
calling it fast foods a little harsh because this is a pretty damn good uh horror movie like you know it's one that i actually don't mind returning to i also think like because it focuses on these actual world real world people like obviously this is highly dramatized but i think that because there's some historical context, it's that much more interesting to me. Uh, I would say the criticism comes specifically about James Wan as a horror director, not just specifically right. about this film, but like this right. includes the Insidious movies okay, and The Conjuring's one, two, yeah. and then all the whole spinoffs of the Conjuring universe too. You got The Nun, Annabelle, The Curse of La Llorona, like all of these films that are under under his oversight kind of feel like fast food horror you know he's just, he's just put pumping out these like cheap thrills but i agree with you the, the it is kind of insulting to this first film because it I, I think this first film is just fucking phenomenal it's it's really well done it's it's written by chad and carrie hayes and it stars vera farmiga and patrick wilson as lorraine and ed warren right. who are two demonologists uh, I don't know if they coined that term for themselves, or if, uh, I'm sure I'm they didn't sure. coin the term. But yeah, they're they're called demonologists because they you know they they work with the Catholic Church to investigate the paranormal. Right. She's a medium, and he's the only person sanctioned by the church to either perform or assist in exorcisms. I think he's like the only person not the only non-member of the church right, sanctioned, sanctioned by the that's church. What I mean. Yeah. You know, in real life outside of this conjuring universe, I personally though I don't want demon demonic possession to happen to me or someone I love, I would love to see yeah, I'm an atheist, but I would love to see it. That right. would be yeah. so cool for me to like I mean it would be terrifying and it horrible would, for the person it would be happening to. Right. But I want paranormal. I want to see. Yeah, it would be an eye opener. Like, yeah, it would be like, okay, there is more than what I give credit for. I'm definitely the type of person who would still focus on the science behind it. Be like, how can oh, I yeah. make this make sense? Makes like, sense. I would try oh, to. Yeah. Sure. I would try to destroy the the paranormal behind it. I'm that. I'm that character in the movie. <laughs> but I, I want to see this kind of stuff. It is so. It, it just really intrigues me. This is the type of horror that I'm all in on. But in real life, I still would call the Warrens whack jobs. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't believe <laughs> in anything that they said is true. I don't believe any of these cases actually happened. Uh, you know, I think these people might right. have just had a mental illness and should have seen like an actual psychiatrist or therapist or probably been yeah. put in an asylum somewhere. I'm not a believer in in this stuff and any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I I feel like a lot of people who call themselves uh, mediums really just take advantage of people yeah but they like the attention there are a lot you know there's a lot of people though in these people uh, these people's career that really testify that they helped them i guess if at the end the family feels like you know they're better for the experience liberated yeah then what what, who are we to say but that's fair especially if it's like a kid who like maybe does have a mental illness or is faking it for attention and then these people come and then it's over you know and then the right. family can just it can be over for them yeah and right. I, I think that comes a lot of that comes into play i think specifically for the second film right so we'll try to re- we'll try to remember going into that but the 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 child begging for attention kind of storyline right but especially whether it's like a hoax or not you know it's like how right. how how the family reacts and how the movie also kind of dramatizes it because in the second one there's a lot of dramatization around the warrens because they were not invited and when they showed up they were denied access they were like no we do not want you to be here like the the possession all that kind of stuff that the movie happens or that happens in the second movie never happened when they when they arrived in enfield they were denied entry by the family the family was like we do not want you here (laughs) wow yeah yeah, it's, they they totally play that the opposite of that. Like oh, they're yeah. pretty like comfy cozy listening the Elvis together. That's yeah, that's kind of fucked up. It, it's weird, but at the same time, I love the this universe for that because this universe only asks 
one thing of you, and that is to just accept that the Warrens are telling the truth, that this shit is real. Right. And also, even if they weren't in real life, the Warrens of this movie universe are just the kindest hearted, loving people ever. They're good people. And with Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga behind that couple- I'm 100% on board accepting that because their chemistry is amazing. Like the it only reason really I return good. for the Conjuring movies are for those two characters. <laughs> like that's fair. It, I like the second movie. Like we'll talk more about it, of course. But I like the second movie, except that it's so familiar to the first movie that yeah. if it didn't have Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, I'd be like, ah, eh, I'm not that interested. Right. I should, didn't watch yeah, the Nun. It would just be a, another. Another haunting movie. Exactly. So should we should we jump into the plot of this first one? I think yeah. maybe a little bit more. So I think we talked about what the Warrens do pretty much, but there is like this uh, process they have to go to that through. They have to prove it to the church to get the priest to come and perform the exorcism, and it's a long right. process, and and it's probably. For, for for the world of this movie, it, it's too long of a process because people get hurt and shit. Anyhow, the Perron family, they move from New Jersey to, I don't know, I don't know where this is set. I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, they move into this house, but there is this demonic presence there, which is uh, scaring their, what, like five or 15 daughters? I can't remember. Oh, it's my God. Yeah, that, that's my yeah. only issue with the first movie is that I can never remember how many fucking kids are in this family because uh, they're all girls. They, disa- they disappear. Um, they all disappear I, constantly. They do. Uh, and that's part of the horror of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Roger <laughs> and Carolyn, I believe, reared Andrea nancy christine cindy and april and i think that's an age order imdb has an age order that's strange the younger two girls definitely have the creepiest experiences uh because you know they're young girls and it's a horror movie and it does it to you every time and eventually they come in and they try to prove they being the one shit is actually going on the Warrens do, yes, that this shit's actually going on. They finally get the person there. Uh, they find out the uh, the motive of the demon and- Which we should talk about that. We should Which talk that's, about that. I guess that's another, uh, that's another issue I have with this movie. And it's not really an issue because it, everything is so horrifying and well done that I really like it. But the- the bad spirit behind everything. I can't remember her name. I think it's Bathsheba. Yes. She's she's a Salem witch who murdered children. I believe, I think... She sacrificed children to Satan. That was probably it. That part is kind of brushed under, I feel like. They don't go yeah, into it's, that enough. It's not heavily focused, but that she is the the evil witch that's behind everything that's going on, kind of. And you know, that's that's one of my only issues is you know believing that the Salem witches actually sacrificed children to Satan. Right, right. It's it's a it's a gray area. I don't I don't appreciate that. No, but, because you know it was they they massacred women. Yeah, yeah. That's not a good connection to make, but that is the real life connection. That's what it was with the Warrens files and everything. And that, you know, it's a tiny mar on the movie. But right. God, I still, I still, yeah, as you said, it's kind of brushed over. They, they kind of just like push that information aside as fast as they can because like even they don't want to focus on it. <laughs> right, they want to yeah. focus on the horror and the horror is so well focused on. There's some really good stuff. Uh, like, so first off, the first thing that the parents find is that they have a boarded up cellar. And oh, yeah. yeah, and when they onboard that up, what? And there's no, there's no light going down there. And the dad just asks for matches. Come on, right. Roger. What are you? <laughs> yeah, <fucking? right. laughs> Like that. For all you know, there could be like some fucking gas down there or something. And yeah. what the fuck ever. But anyways, so yeah, he goes down there with just matches, and there's like a creepy old piano down there. Uh, and a whole bunch of other shit. And that's where a, 
a big portion of the haunting takes place in this creepy cellar that the family didn't even fucking know about. Yeah, if you got a massive room with a shit ton of furniture and there's like tablecloths covering everything, which that, that's one thing I'm always concerned by whenever I see a horror movie is like, who put all these tablecloths over everything? Like, <laughs> I never understand that. I never it's understand that. It's keep from getting dust damage. But who did it? If they're just going to leave it there, like, they, they clearly it's didn't in, care. It's in storage. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't care. They were just like, fuck this shit. They just put it off. But if you have a room like that anywhere in your house, like, immediately sell that shit. Like, if you learn anything from the two Conjuring movies, the first two at least, that that is sell those houses. Yeah, if you yeah, have a giant open space with covered furniture everywhere, get the fuck out. <laughs> if, it, if it's not a usable space... Don't live there. Okay, so <clears throat> anyhow, eventually Bathsheba inhabits Carolyn, which that might that's that is a spoiler, I guess. But I just wanted to mention that this is the part where I got pretty confused. So at, for this film, they had Vera Farmiga dye her hair a, a darker color than I'm used to her having. Because I, I I know her mostly from being Norma Bates, which is another right. problem I actually have with this series, is because I'm so used to watching Norma Bates, everything that Lorraine does, even though I know is supposed to be genuine, I always see this snideness that's Norma Bates's character, and it's just not there. Like Vera's not <laughs> trying to do that for this character, but no, she just plays Norma so well that it's hard to separate that. That's fair. But anyhow, fair. because of the hair color change, and because they're a similar build, I was constantly, the first time I watched this, getting Carolyn and Lorraine confused. So I kept on thinking, like, oh, wait, when did Mrs. Warren get possessed? And, <laughs> huh. like, yeah, I kept on getting confused. Uh, I got less confused the second time I saw it. Yeah, I wonder if that might have been a lighting thing, because I know it's very dark in the theaters. It's very like, dark. On the screen, whereas yeah. on, on our TV, on my TV screen at least, I keep it pretty bright. So it's like, I don't know, rewatching, I didn't have any issue because. It, yeah. It might have just been the brightness of it, though. Yeah, I think it was just that theater experience, really. And also, you know, we were an undergrad. Uh, let's just say I was distracted. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. is that. There's everything in this first movie. You know, it's a haunted house movie. There's an yeah. exorcism in it. There's possession. Like, it, it, it gets criticism from people for being, like, similar to Amityville Horror or similar to The Exorcist or The Poltergeist. Well, I mean, but they are the Amityville Horror people. I, I mean, exactly. they're, not, they're not really in that movie, I don't think. But yeah, I can't remember. They are the people who investigate. Yeah, and personally, I like this so much more than the Amityville Horror movie. I like it more than Poltergeist. Like, a lot of people like Poltergeist. I'm okay with it. I think it's... I like the goofy elements of it. Yeah. I, for me, I think it's just a little too goofy, but it's whatever. I mean, nothing's beating The Exorcist. Like, that's fucking phenomenal. Right. But, you know, I don't care that it's similar to those because James Wan is such a, a level of control over everything that I, I just don't care. It's so fucking good. It's horrifying. Yeah. It's This is good horror. Like... It's well-directed. So, I, I I'm sorry that people give them that criticism but i guess yeah. it's probably not for this movie uh because this movie's pretty well done so was, i i feel like we should maybe move on to closing statements for this one because we got yeah. two other movies to talk about uh i would say that it's a pretty good movie i, I give it a full face and definitely recommend it like it's scary there's a i would say only a few jump scares really and it still remains to be quite exhilarating so you know right. it's just proof that you don't need that in your film yeah uh and i so go watch the movie go watch the conjuring yeah i mean and, and those jump scares he earns those jump scares with how he builds his tension right. like the music is eerie like he does great sound design and it's everything is so well handled in this film that i give it four stars you know and wow and again it's it it's mostly because of vera and patrick because like I just fucking love the characters in these movies. Like they yeah. are so good, even though I am an atheist and don't agree with a lot of the stuff that they're putting out in a horror movie. 
I eat that shit up. Yeah, it's it good. Works. They're gonna fight for their lives, uh, obviously, but they also have faith that because they have God on their side, that they're they're gonna do good, and, and it makes for an interesting story. It really do. It really do. So tell me about the Conjuring Two. It's the Conjuring Two is the Enfield case in uh, in United Kingdom, and again, as we've already mentioned, they take great creative liberty with this one. Real life. Wow. Not a lot of this happened. The family was trying to keep it relatively out of the public atmosphere and the Warrens being there kind of brought it further into it. In the movie, Maurice Gross, he I feel like he has a big part of making it very public. So yeah, I think that at least in the movie perspective, that was already happening by the time they got there. But yeah. I don't know the I, I didn't look up any of the like true story stuff for this. Yeah. Well I mean I this is kind of something that I haven't like researched, but it's something I want to research because I love the Warrens. Like, yeah, it's such an interesting. I, even though thing. I hate the Warrens, yeah. the Conjuring has made me love the Warrens to where I'm kind of like I want to read. You know, I want to read the original Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. You know, and and that's the big, that's the big thing that's going on in this movie is the the first movie took place in 1971. This one play, takes place 1977, and in that time they had the Amityville Horror hoax. So, the Warrens were very adamant that it was a real demonic possession, that it was terrifying. But the problem is, Jay Anson, the author of the novel, and some other people who were involved in the making of the film, as well as the haunting itself, say they cooked it all up over a couple beers at a bar. You know, they, they say it's all fake, that the Warrens are completely off their ass and just, you know, lying nut jobs. It basically puts the Warrens' entire career at stake yeah do they continue doing this do they continue making fools of themselves going out and trying to help people by curing all these paranormal activities and vera says no and vera says no because she has seen and has been haunted by a demon that takes the form of a nun yeah and that nun is played by bonnie aarons Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she's creepy. Think they really say anything, but she does a really good job being that scary ass nun. Yeah, like so again, the you know, I've already mentioned I think that my biggest issue with the second movie is its familiarity. It's just another haunted house demonic possession kind of feel. They have some oh, yeah. different twists, you know, it's it's a ghost being used by a demon. Uh, the demon is the nun, whereas in the last one it was a witch named Bathsheba or whatever. Right. And you know, I, I do like some of the progressions they do in this film, and there are a lot of good scares, specifically that nun scare, that, that the you know, the one I'm talking about with the painting. Yes. God, that I, I love very that. very well set up, yeah. Oh, it's so good. And because how I watch horror, I'm not ashamed to say this, how I watch horror is through the fucking, you know, lines of my fingers. I, I like to cover my face. I'm scared of that shit. I love feeling yeah. scared. I love that. And when I'm in the theaters, you know, I'll be like closing my eyes a little bit because it's scaring me. I could not do that for the nun shot. That was such a well-executed horror that I was like, I have to see this because I'm scared as fuck and I need to know when this is going to happen. It's just, it's terrifying. It was so good. But, you know, that's kind of also the issue is like they, they set up so many good scares that when you get to the ending... I just I don't give a rat's ass about that final act. <laughs> like when, no, when they're, you don't. When they're banishing the demon. Uh, I actually like. Okay, so <clears throat> I would say that I cared a little bit more this time around for the the end of the movie than I did when we went to see it in the theaters because I don't know why, but I feel like I just kind of overlooked the scene where she has the vision on the airplane and gets to talk to the actual ghost. Uh, Bill Wilkins. Oh. Man, we're really being spoiler heavy, I feel like. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> oops indeed. <laughs> but anyhow, I feel like that kind of drove me in, drew me in rather uh, a little bit more. That's fair. Than it usually does. Oh, speaking of Drew, in all three of this these movies are a character that gets absolutely no story spotlight named Drew Thomas. 
played by Shannon uh, Shannon Cook. See the cameraman, and he's there. There's he's their photographer. He gets absolutely nothing. They did more for the fucking sheriff character or deputy character, Brad. Yeah, they gave Sheriff Brad more screen time than Drew Thomas, Thomas who works on them on like almost every case. He's yeah. he doesn't even have a speaking line. I don't think in the second episode. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. I was like, he has a lot in the first one. He's he's he a does very have a lot good supportive character. And uh, but he they hardly use him at all in the second one. Like though, I don't know that yeah. he comes to England with them. I can't actually remember. I don't think he does. No, he's in the beginning though, but he doesn't have a line. Yeah, then he's in the third one, and he helps him out in like a big way in the third one. Like, it, it, but it's kind of out of nowhere. And once again, there's just absolutely no story development in his character. And I think it's very disappointing because there's also one of my favorite cinematic moments of the first movie. It was it was a montage that actually works. They spin around on the door frames and it's just showing him setting up cameras in different rooms. That's a fucking oh, right, great right. shot. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Good. And they just never go into this character. And I feel really bad for Shannon Cook for that. They parallel that later, too, when they have the camera on the ceiling and it flips upside down when he runs underneath it. And it's right. following him, like, when they're all running around the house going, let's, like, the, I love how the camera's just constantly going upside down and it's spinning everywhere. Like, yeah. the the cinematography in that first one's amazing. In the first one, definitely and, amazing. Yeah, but in, in the second one, there are still some good uh, cinematographical moments. But, yeah, his... His character is never, never focused on, sadly. And I agree, it is a huge loss because he's he's really good in that first movie. Yeah. But he's not in the second one at all, really. And go, going back to – all the way back to when we were talking about the Amityville Horror, but that's that's what's plaguing them in the second movie. That's what's driving this second movie right. is that they, they kind of become absorbed into this case, the Enfield case, against – Vera's will. She doesn't want to. Lorraine's will. She doesn't want to really be there. She's she's scared her husband's gonna die right. or something. And Ed's like, we never back away from a fight. Exactly. He's like, God, God did this for a reason. Ghost fighter machismo, right there. <laughs> We're Ghostbusters, and yeah. So they're brought into this against their will, but there is that the hoax of the Amityville horror case hanging over their heads. the The Catholic Church doesn't want it to hurt their image anymore. So the Catholic church is like, really like don't enter this if you think it's a fake. And there's a lot of good evidence that implies the girl might be faking it right now. You know, from the audience's perspective, we see that it's not fictionalized. We see that it's, you know, she is possessed that this shit's happening to the family, but it is done in a way that we could understand where Ed and Lorraine would be worried about it, where they would be questioning whether it's real or not. And it's it's really well done. I love that that aspect of this film, that that questioning of the horror, whether or not it's real. You know, there's there's one really good scene too where Ed is trying to talk to the ghost that's possessing the the young girl, and he turns his back and she's sitting in the corner in the chair where the ghost usually sits. And, you know, they have the cameras rolling and everything, and everybody has their backs churned. And Ed just starts questioning the ghost. And at first, it's just the young girl. You know, you just hear her normal voice. And then she slowly gets taken over by Bill. Was that his name? Bill Wilkins? Watkins? That's right. Bill Bill Wilkins. Yeah, that, that scene is so good because she's out of focus in that whole shot. It's just a close-up of Ed's face. And behind him, out of focus, you can see the girl. And it slowly just transitions into this man. You know, yeah, it slowly so becomes weird. the ghost. Yeah. So well done. I love those effects. Like that's where the conjuring those first two conjuring movies go above and beyond for me. Right. Is I'm those totally good in camera horror movements. Like it's Yeah. They have they have jump scares. They have those silly little like loud sound effects that irritate me a little bit, but they earn it with the tension. Yeah, that tent that tent thing. It was really oh yeah yeah insane a little bit. I had said they earned it with the tension, but you're right. Yeah. There is a there is a tent <laughs> that is <laughs> that is terrifying. I, I I hate everything with that tent. It's so scary. There is another besides the nun. There is another creepy ghost demon like aspect of this film that people talk about, and it's getting its own spinoff movie, and I just can't stand it. And that's the creepy man or the crooked uh, man. The crooked man. Wow. Yeah. I, given that it's something, stupid. Huh? Yeah, I. Th- that's one of my like 
that's where the, this movie dropped the ball for me is there's this big <laughs> CGI scare scene where you think what is a dog becomes the crooked man. Yeah. It doesn't scare me. I like it's the bad song, CGI. though. The song's it, catchy. The, the, song, the song is good. And when yeah. she, like, walks in and she's, like, you know, you have the silhouette, but then she walks in instead of this crooked man silhouette. I like those scares. But, God, that the crooked man is just not scary. Like, it's just a okay. CGI monstrosity. That's true. But wh- what year was this movie? Uh, 2016. 2016. Okay, so they have, they have five years, or they're still probably that. This is still probably pre-production, right? This movie, this Crooked Man movie, they got at least five years of CGI improvement. Well, yeah, they can make it scary. I'm just saying, in this movie, the Crooked Man was not scary. No, and it was it was a stupid it was a stupid potential. I think it had potential, but they really, they really almost kind of went Spider-Man three on this, uh, right? Yeah, because you had, you know, you got Bill Wilkins, the Crooked Man, and this nun, which nun Valak. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're really all just uh, Valak, as you said. That damn, that's definitely spoilers. Uh, <laughs> how, how is that? How is that spoiler? There, there's one person out there who's like, oh, Valak demon? Oh, God. You know, everybody else is like, Valak? Who's Valak? I don't know that demon. Like, it's, it's not a spoiler. It's just a name. Well, I think that the, <laughs> the way that they reveal it in this show, I feel like that it, it is a spoiler for the, for the eh. movie. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, you'll just have to, you know, either hate us for that or forgive us. So... Should we do closing <laughs> statements on this one? Yeah, I'm down for that. I uh, I do like the second one. It's still a good horror movie. Yeah. It's a good possessed haunted house. It's got everything. James James Wan behind the uh, the whole thing is still great. He still directs really well. Vera and Patrick are still phenomenal in these roles, but it's very familiar. It it has a lot of scares that just kind of just don't get me. There's a there's a there's this one scare where Bill Wilkins is like, "It's my house," you know. He screams mm-hmm. at the woman. I, I was laughing so hard when he did that. <laughs> it, was, it was almost like an Annabelle moment, but it never dips to that Annabelle level. Like yeah. it's still competent. It's still a fun horror movie that I recommend. And you know, I like the hoax angle. I like the the, the idea that the girl could be faking it. Yeah, like, the girl who's possessed. I believe her name's Janet. I'm not sure. But she does a really good job, I think, right. acting wise. And you know the the only, aside from like small nitpicks and little issues here and there. I mean, there is a you know they're sleepwalking in the first one and they're sleepwalking in the second one, and like it's just very similar. When, yeah, when when it, yeah, it just it all gets muddled and confusing for me. And the fact that they made the nun another spinoff, you know, the the first movie spun off Annabelle, right. this one spun off the nun. The nun's not bad. I didn't. I didn't hate. You know, I watched that movie and it was. It was. It was okay. Like it, the Curse of La Llorona was so much worse. But like the nun was like, Bleh. all right. It had some good atmospheric set pieces, but that the movie itself was bad. But The Conjuring Two, good. I give it three stars. It. I recommend it. It's. It's. Nice. It's still fun horror. Yeah. It, it hasn't gotten bad. Well, I definitely call it a full face movie. Uh, but it definitely, especially right at the beginning there, first first impression of this movie is, it's happening again, but <laughs> in England. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, like, like, like it starts off like an, um, it feels like it starts off with the ominous music and then it turns to like sitcom happy, like laugh track. Right. Like, oh, <laughs> we're doing it. In, in a different country. Yeah. Everything's on the right side of the road now. Oh, <laughs> oh it's the left side of the road. Oh. That's okay. Dang you want to set up the joke again or are you just going to keep it like that? No, I'm just going to keep it like that. I'm All okay right. looking like an idiot. All right. That's fine. I, I'm okay with you looking like an idiot too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I make much more of a fool of myself than you do on this show. But anyways... Or did I say it? No, I did it. I did. Yes, it's a full face movie. Go see it. 
it is very similar to the first one. I think the first one's better, but why not watch this second movie, which does a pretty good job. There's things about it that I like less about the first you one. You know, if if you really, really like the first one, it's easy to sit down and watch the second one not too long after it. The right. question is, can you do that with number three, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It? The Devil Made Me Do It. A little segue into the, the devil third one all there. the time. The Devil. No, that's a different movie. That's a different I think. Movie. It is. We watched that. This one came out this year, and it is the it first sure of the first of the Conjuring three to not have James Wan directing it. It's Michael Chaves, who I watched the Conjuring three, the Conjuring, the Devil made me do it before I watched the Curse of the La Llorona. But if I had watched Curse of La Llorona. I would have had very, very low hopes for Conjuring 3. <laughs> oh, wow. Curse of La Llorona, it, 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 it has very little connection to the Conjuring universe. And I think it's only part of the Conjuring universe because James Wan produced it and said it was. Like, <laughs> I, I guess it might have been one of the Warrens cases, but like, I don't even Maybe. think they're mentioned in the movie. I don't remember Maybe them being they consultant, mentioned. consulted on it or something. Yeah. Like, somebody I, like, I have them. no idea. But the movie itself is not it. There's a good idea there, but Michael Chaves just goes all in for the I don't care jump scare horror. So like he's just gotcha. like, oh, this is gonna happen, and it's coming at gotcha. your face now. Ooh, it's like I don't fucking care. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> but with the Conjuring, the Devil made me do it, uh, which is set in like the 1980s. You know, it's not too long after right. the second movie. But the Warrens never look as old as they're supposed to. No, they they always no. look the exact same, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and this movie's almost like this movie's eight came out eight years later than that first movie, and they still just look exactly the same. Right. I mean, good job, Patrick. And yeah, Vera. I guess technically it's only ten years later in cinema universe years, so. Yeah, well, I mean, if they haven't know, if they haven't enough, aged at all in real life. Yes, that's that's fair. Except for I'm pretty sure that in those first movies they were supposed to be older than they are too. Like I always, right. uh, I always thought Ed Warren was like I don't know. He looks like he was always sixty years old. He know? is definitely a heavier set man. I think that too. Patrick that Wilson. too. But I don't know specifically. Yeah. But I would say in the run of these films, I would say they're in their late thirties to early fifties, somewhere yeah. around there. That's probably fair. Which I th- I think they look similar to that. But the the devil yeah. made me do it is a complete tangent from what we've gotten used to with the Conjuring films. We've we've been f- focusing on possession and haunted house. And then this one's like, all right, we're changing up the formula, which, you know, if if you are into uh, criminology in any way, you've heard of this case because, like, you know, anybody who watches crime podcasts and all those, like, murder podcasts, they've heard of the Devil Made Me Do It case. It's very, very popular. You know, it was the first case. Well, I mean, but do you watch dead crime podcasts where people talk about murder all the time? (laughs) That's like all the women, all the women I work with are, like, obsessed with these kind of podcasts but it's the first case in american history maybe but in modern american history at least where somebody claimed that they killed somebody because the devil made me do it uh because a demon possessed them and and you know guided their hand there's a lot to say about this movie glorifying such an action uh again from a real life perspective i think the dude murdered somebody yeah, and then the Warren definitely. stepped the Warren stepped in and tried to make it so much more than what it was, which was the dude was insane and murdered somebody. Right, <laughs> right. But only like they only do this because they did get a personal connection from one of their ca- cases. So like from a real world perspective, Ed well, I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know if the heart attack that oh, that's cut that Well, I do out. think that's no, I think that's I think that actually needs to be kept in because that's the big point of this film. The, the plot is they're trying to help this guy be free, you know, not right. go to jail, not be not be executed for murder. I can't remember if he's the death penalty is part of it or not. I think but, that they're trying to avoid the death penalty. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mainly. And 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 they're you know, they're using all of their demonology powers. They they you know, they're investigating a haunt. This isn't this isn't a haunted house movie where we're investigating right. a or trying to exercise a possession. This is more of a detective thriller 
where right. we're investigating a haunt, trying to solve it so that we could, you know, free this criminal. I 100% and, would say this movie did not feel like a horror movie most of the movie. No, no. Which and, I don't know how and, I feel about that. I feel disappointed about that. I feel yeah. really disappointed about that because the Conjuring films, especially those first two, are great horror films. They really are, yeah. And, and if they want to explore this film, that's fine, but I don't think they should attach it, the Conjuring name to it. I think this should just be another of their spinoff films. You know, it doesn't have know. to be part of that. It doesn't have to be part of their Avengers series. It's you know, it could be one of their low lower level. Like, here's another case in the yeah. Warren Files. I think though, because this one, like you said, is so popular in the world's eye. My dog's about to howl, and that the the Warrens are uh, involved in it. That that's why it becomes the third chapter. Of this movie franchise that has several spinoffs. <laughs> I was trying to listen so hard, but my dog was howling the whole time. I know. I know. Oh, man. Sorry, uh, so, what did you say? Great podcast work. Um, so, anyhow, because the Warrens are involved in this movie, and because of its world renown i feel like right that's why it became the third movie in this series but they could and have it, just done more to make more more horror i mean they could yeah, have there's focused just a little bit more maybe when what's his fuck the um the arnie <sighs> what a name Arnie Johnson, Arnie, right? Yeah, they could focus more on the shit that was happening to him at the at the prison. I feel like, yeah, make that more of the story and just have the Warrens be in the background a little bit more. But yeah, the Warrens are the characters that we fell in love with. But they kind of did that in the second movie. For the a good chunk of the second movie, the Warrens are not in England. They're they're popping back to to the Warrens occasionally, but they're kind of the B story in the beginning of the second yeah. movie, and they could have done that, I think, and maybe made it a little more scarier for this movie. Yeah, I agree because yeah, that's my biggest issue with it. Is I went in wanting a horror, yeah. and I got like a a dark detective thriller, which yeah. is competent and yeah. okay. Like it's, if that's what it's I wanted to watch, I think it did it pretty well. There were some yeah. points where I was bored, though. Yeah, I don't. I, I I think it did it okay. Like I don't. I don't think it's even a great detective thriller. Even like it's right. I don't know. It it just kind of really bored me. And then like it all. Uh, there's a twist about the uh, the origin of what's going on. Right. That you know kind of consumes the second half of this film. And I'm intrigued by the twist. Right. And its implications for the Conjuring universe. But the the focus of it on in this film and how they how they dive into it, I just I I didn't care. Like it was it was sure. just kind of boring. It was it was sure. good, but it was just boring good. And this is not necessarily talking about what you were talking about, but just John Noble. When you put him in a film, right. I'm immediately going to be like, okay, John. Yeah, Noble. that definitely improved things. Yes, yeah. and I appreciate the way he was used but i thought that he could have been it could have been done better definitely yeah it's it's that trope of hey i know a guy who has all of your answers you should go talk to him yeah. but he's a little creepy and he's a little out of the way and right. you're going to have to do it by yourself with nobody around you and all alone you know it's it's that it's that horror trope where it's like send right. him off to somebody who you know he he plays that creepy informational gatherer kind of person where it's just like that's the person we go to to help solve us uh, solve this issue right but just know they may try to kill us while we're there too we just don't know and <laughs> and i agree i do love john noble uh for people who don't know he is walter bishop and Fr the tv show fringe he's denethor and lord of the rings like all around just one of the best actors ever i fucking love john yes. noble also uh for video game fans, he plays a scarecrow in the um, Arkham series, yeah. or one, just uh, one of them. I don't know. Just the last one, Arkham. Just the last one. Knight. City? Arkham no, Knight. Knight. Arkham Knight. Yeah. Yeah. 
He does a great yeah, great, job in that. great job. And again, just totally underutilized, which is another mark against this film. Like you yeah. have somebody like John John Noble, you utilize John Noble. You know, he's amazing. So should we uh I, I know we didn't really talk too terribly much about this movie, but w- what else do you think there is really to say up front? I, I did like some of the things that are in this movie and I think that a lot of the mm-hmm. elements could have made a really good movie and I recommend going to see it to to at least finish the, the trilogy, you know? Uh yeah. But the only thing I really want to talk about, I feel like we shouldn't talk about because it does take a like it's like maybe a third of the way in the movie when they reveal it. Yeah, it's it, I, I definitely want to talk about that, but it's it definitely is a spoiler, but because it's it's because she's alive, I guess, not because of how yeah. uh, I don't yeah, I, know, I don't know how to talk about it. It's harder to say any more than but, that. But uh yeah. I, I like that it's it ju- it makes this movie different from the other two movies, which I appreciate because the problem with the second movie was right. that it was the fucking same. <laughs> yeah. It's just, but it's just to, to to go into my closing statement with it though, it's just the problem is it's not even though it's in a different direction than the first two movies, it's not as horrifying and I still want no. that horror. Even Me too. you know, I'm okay with I'm okay with doing different cases of the Warrens. You know, there was mention of them doing a, a werewolf case, which makes an appearance in the uh, briefly, I think, in the Nun. Huh. Uh, there's there's talk of werewolves in that movie, I think. But they dealt with werewolves. Should, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that was in their case files that they de- dealt with werewolves. This is getting but a, this a is tinge the, less believable for me. <laughs> but. Well, I think that's where the my big issue with this film comes in. And, you know, it's a competent thriller. Again, it's not great. I give it two and a half stars. Um, the writing is kind of meh. You know, it's, yeah. it, it needs a little extra work. It's written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, who wrote the the second one. But he also wrote Aquaman and Wrath of the Titans. Like, he, he has that, that schlocky style of dialogue that passes. Yeah. It's good. But it's not it's not supreme superb writing right, right, or anything. Right. My issue with it though, and they took creative liberties with the second one, and you know for whatever reason I'm okay with that because it's a demon possession. It's it's whatever. Right. I don't believe it. Here, they're kind of glorifying a murderer, and, you know, by making it a demonic possession. You know, it wasn't his fault he right. murdered somebody. Right. And it's very heavily leaning towards making his legal argument the truth exactly yeah and and i just i don't know if i'm okay with that you know that's that's my biggest issue with this entire film and i guess that's what that really is what just drags my overall opinion down to this movie is is that i don't know where i stand on Hmm. that issue that's a good question that's a good question well i'll go ahead and give it my my face because it's not like you said it's competent like it, there's there's nothing there's things that i have i feel like are wrong with this movie but the main thing is that it's it doesn't feel like the same series besides the fact that the warrens are a part of it and their relationship i feel like there was good stuff from their relationship in in this movie uh, the way that Lorraine is looking after Ed, I think, is nice. Uh-huh. But they both, and this might just be like, you know, new director trying to figure out how to to work with them. But they both, in different parts of this movie, really lean into whatever accent they're trying to do. And then for the rest <laughs> of the movie, they don't have hardly any accent at all. It's It's really funny to me. There's just other kind of things kind of like that. That just kind of felt like, okay, let's go make this movie. When, you know, like, I don't know, maybe if if Patrick and Vera were able to have more time together for the scenes, maybe they would have read a little bit better and they would have made a better movie. But I think it still has the problems that you said, like it's glorifying this guy who probably just murdered somebody. Yeah, it just it just wasn't yeah, scary enough. And I think that's it. Oh, I wanted to mention one other thing. So the little kid in there, there's a little kid in this who gets uh, possessed. And when they do 
the like the body horror stuff with that. That was pretty fun. But oh, I yeah. wanted to say yeah. this kid, Julian Hillard, he looks as if they took Stephen King and shrunk him down into a kid again. <laughs> And then said, now do the scary shit from your books. <laughs> I like it. Oh, I like it. Yeah, that that is another one of my issues with this movie, though, is it, it relies so heavily on that body horror trope of like, look, I'm right. breaking bones and contorting into a weird position. Like, there's like right. four times in this movie where they're just like, look at this creepy thing that's breaking its body. It's like, I right. don't. It's disturbing in the first movie. It was disturbing in the second movie. You're in their third movie, technically the eighth movie now, this whole universe where we've seen right. something similar to this. It's no longer scary in your universe. Stop doing it. It's you know, just done with so, it. Though I feel like the way this is a little bit different than the other two, like the 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 one contortionist scene that actually was really good because it was a pract- more practical effect was when she got in the, the dumbwaiter and was right. – yeah, that was a really good shot. This, I think, what was definitely leaned more heavily on the graphic graphic effect editor, but I thought that it was done in such a way that I really enjoyed it. Like right. because because it was actually like from an an artist standpoint, it was well executed. Like, yeah. like the I just know a lot of work went into that scene, and I can appreciate right. that it, it looked really good. And you don't <laughs> you don't expect that kind of scare in a detective thriller, so it's like it does yeah. come across better in this. But I don't know that that stuff doesn't scare me because it's just I don't know it, it's just like a, a stock photo or you know it's kind of like a stockpile sure. audio effect where it's just yeah yeah and anyone just like, can yeah can do can. that part of yeah. It. Um, or think to add that to their movie. But I'm just saying right. that from a special effects angle, it was very mm-hmm. well executed. So kudos right. to that. But I don't know. Overall, I just – it was a hit It was a hit and a miss. It was, yeah, it was a, bit, it was a bit disappointing for me. And of the, of the three Conjuring films, the first Conjuring is my winner for this, uh, this triumvirate we're doing here. Yeah. It, all around, in my opinion, it's a perfect horror film. Even if it is like a you know a, a polished, nice blockbustery style horror, yeah. I'm okay with it. I'm all in. I love it. And of all of the eight Conjuring films, I would say only three of them are worth watching, and that would be uh, the Conjuring, the Conjuring Two, and Annabelle Comes Home. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I really, so I really just enjoyed worth- that. It was silly. It's not worth rushing out to the theater, but if you have HBO Max, and yeah, go ahead. It, yeah, just go ahead and watch it. You know, you enjoy these characters, and who knows, you might be less critical than we are. I mean, that. I mean, that's why we have yeah, a show. That's, that's really so where it comes down to. I say, <laughs> I say, those three are the ones to worth watch. But I do think most people will find enjoyment in a lot of the other ones. Right, and I sure. think, I think of. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, even though that's a ridiculous title. And when they just did The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2, they should have just yeah. called it The Conjuring 3. <laughs> just- <laughs> but whatever. Who am, I to, who am I to complain? I'm only a critic. But go ahead and watch it. I do recommend it for the average liker of The Conjuring universe. Like if, you, if you've if you enjoyed The Conjuring so far, you'll definitely right. enjoy the, the Devil oh, Made yeah. Me Do It. Yeah, I, I enjoyed elements of it enough of it to finish the whole movie you know right right yeah it's it's not it's not in my my faves of the year and i don't you know don't think it's worth watching of the whole universe overall but whatever you know they're only <laughs> eight movies in they're only eight movies in marvel's like yeah. 24 they still got a ways to go <laughs> yeah and they have a lot more blunders for sure oh uh, yeah but- definitely <laughs> so I would agree with you. The first movie is the winner, uh, though the second movie is fun. And there's things about that second movie that I enjoy that I think I would return to just as often as that first movie. So Right. But I would definitely watch one, them back to back. Yeah, they're great. They're a great pair, definitely. But Conjuring wins. Can't beat the OG. I've been the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon.
safe shadows, and good fright. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.